to Conversations from Here. This is me, Dana Ziegler, founder of Zen Body Living Wellness Coaching and host and producer and creator of Conversations from Here. So welcome. We are in the midst of doing a short series on where to start with regard to wellness practices. And you may remember from the last episode, my guest, Dr. Jess Lakin, who is the founder of Mother Tree Healing Arts, holistic life coach, meditation guide, healer, sound bath facilitator, and creator of transformational retreats for women. We talked about making space for, or rather creating space for change. That was the first in our Where to Start series. And the second installment, which is this one, is where to start with meditation. So it's a big topic, but we give you some things to consider, some things to think about. And after, uh, after my talk with Jess, I will give you a small uh, example of a beginning meditation practice to try on your own time. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Here's me and but Jess. We're talking about um, talking about where to start with regard to um, meditation and whatnot, and about how people have this preconceived notion of what is meditation, and they think you have to be a Buddhist monk in in uh, in you know Tibet, sitting in a monastery, and you don't. It's it's very pragmatic, um, something that's a universal, and um, I, I had an interesting um, uh, experience when I was when I was teaching in a rehab facility where there were folks from all over the country, and I had a couple of people who were from the South, and uh, one of them was Baptist, mm -hmm. and she said she was really uncomfortable with the idea of meditation because for mm -hmm. her it was a foreign thing and it was not a comfortable space, and she said well, I don't really feel that all that comfortable when, you know, I don't know what kind of voices are going to be in my head. And, and mm -hmm. I, and so I said, well, um, first of all, it's your mind. So it's okay. You're in a safe space. It's, it's your head. So mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about anybody invading. <laughs> and the other thing was, um, was that, uh, I reminded her that, um, every religion has a 
contemplative practice in it, including Christianity. And that I said, when Jesus was wandering around in the desert for 40 days, well, there was some meditation involved, <laughs> you know, and it is said that prayer is you talking to God and meditation is you listening. And she kind of lit up a little bit. And I said, I said, imagine resting in the palm of God's hand. And she was like, oh, yeah. So three weeks after this conversation, she came to me and she said, you know, you taught me something I had no experience in. I had no idea I'd ever really love my sitting practice. And I found so much peace and so much grace in that. And I want to thank you so much. And she yes. came over and gave me a huge hug. And it was, it was, it made me cry. I actually, <laughs> you know, and um, it meant so much that it, yeah. it was something that was healing for her. It was comforting and it brought her some joy and peace. Yeah. And I think the name the naming of the practice is so important to call it my sitting practice feels mm -hmm. kind of a bit more achievable than meditation or, yeah. you know, it, it, it's such an interesting thing, like to ask what is meditation? Because to me, meditation can be happening whilst you're washing the dishes or mm -hmm. it can be happening whilst you're listening to a piece of music or it can be happening while you're daydreaming or it can be happening while, while you're thinking of something pleasant. It can be happening when you're resting and just feeling that space of ease. It could be happening when you're running, going for a... I know people who go running to meditate. I, that is not me, but... <laughs> Got to hurry up and wait. <laughs> but um, it, what my... You know, I like to... When I meet people who come and say ah i can't meditate it's not for me mm -hmm. i i encourage them to just think about what that you know how they come into a place of noticing resting it's more about a state of presence of ease and it's and i believe everybody meditates in some way or other whether they call it that or not i mean for some people it's just simply being fully present and i do use the term state of grace because i do believe that that is um and it resonated with this my southern baptist friend that, mm -hmm. that because it was her language and it it made sense to her and i i think it's translatable outward and it, it is not a it is a practice it's not a, a religious thing per se although it is in something that it can be incorporated into, into that certainly mm -hmm. um but i but i find it really interesting that um a lot of times people think they have this idea like you were saying someone who says i can't meditate because they have it in their mind that they think that they have to stop their thoughts mm -hmm. and you don't stop your thoughts you become aware of them and you watch them Mm -hmm. Sort of, I equate it with, I had a, um, my friend, David Scharf, who's a wonderful, wonderful Tibetan Buddhist, uh, meditation teacher. 
And he talked about how the, the clear blue sky of awareness and how the thoughts are little clouds that pass across your field of perception, but you don't have to engage with them. You just watch them mm-hmm. and there they go, you know, mm-hmm. off they go and you don't have to attach to them. And so even that as a starting place, as a, as a meditation practice or as a sitting practice to watch the thoughts and know that you can choose which ones you want to, mm-hmm. you know, in your waking life, you can choose which thoughts that you engage with. Or not. I think that's a very advanced practice to mm-hmm. even like perceive the mind as a blue sky with some thoughts kind of like floating across and, but even the, before that is to come to a place of even just noticing what is present within mm-hmm. That, that might be a really cloudy sky. <laughs> That's yeah, although blue, maybe. I have to say, I have to say, I was giving that to people who'd never meditated before and they actually, they dug it. They, they got mm-hmm. into it. And I think because they were able to say, oh, okay, a clear blue sky. I got that. I got it. I can see it. Mm-hmm. And then just kind of imagine things floating by. And then they would notice also, when they would get hung up on a cloud, (laughs) hung up on a, hung up on a thought. And so they would, we would go around the room and talk about it, about how was that experience for you? Yeah. And some of them would say, Oh, I was just again and again and again. And the judgment that the burden of the judgment. And so that was another thing that I advised them of, you know, remember you, you just let these things go you know, and, and realize it is a practice. It's not a perfect, I, my friend Sada Simran, um, wonderful meditation and mindfulness teacher um, said, it's a practice, not a perfect. And I just thought it so <laughs> like beautifully that. summed up the thing because, uh, you know, leading, it's sort of like gently leading a horse to, to do something, you know, you can't force them. You allow, you invite them and if they want to do it, they'll do it. And if they don't, they won't. And that, that's fine. You know, you just yeah. keep leading them. And then with, with repetition, they're, oh, okay. And they, they do the thing or whatever it is, you know, whether that's, you know, so, um, and not judging yourself if you're besieged with thoughts, because the, the thought the the brain is a mind factory and all kinds of things bubble up. Yeah. I, I think, I think for me, what's interesting, what I try to share with people is that if you're sitting, if you're thinking about what to buy for your dinner from the mm-hmm. shop, you're sitting in a practice and that's where your mind is and you continually are there. Well, great. Just that's a point of interest. Just notice that, you yeah. know, even to be able to let go of the thoughts can be very difficult at times. And so yeah. to have that expect to, to release the expectation of that. So if you are like in a space where you're just, thinking about something it's that realization of ah here I am Mm -hmm. and it's okay and then sometimes what happens along that journey is you may have this experience of this actually being able to watch the thought and not be attached to it and to feel that sense of ease and that is like the glimpse and then you may carry on in this journey of even having a moment where 
there is an experience of the mind relaxing and not in a, a pocket of space opening up where there is no thought. And that is a powerful glimpse. So for me, it's about these powerful glimpses which come and then becoming aware that we have this option of being able to observe the narrative that is continuous. Mm-hmm. So this con- this narrative which is going through the mind is continuous. And then the beyondness of that is to be able to kind of understand that even though we have these thoughts, we are not our thoughts. Right. And so it's a very gradual journey of glimpses. This is my experience. Mm-hmm. And, and it's kind of fun, but it takes time to kind of see through those clouds. It's much easier said than done to let go of judgment. It's much easier said than done to let go of the thoughts, like truly to experience that. Mm-hmm. So to, I try to normalize my experience for people uh, to make it more accessible. Um, I have had many a meditation session where I have, I've gone all kinds of places. I've made lots of grocery lists and <laughs> I've written the great American novel. And, you know, and it took me a long time to say, all right, that's, that's what today's meditation was. My mind has been very busy. But even still, sitting was uh, the 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 repercussions of that practice. Even though my mind was busy, and I wrote the great American novel, and I made all kinds of things for dinner that night in my mind, it still I had a benefit. Even though my mind was busy, and it was okay, yeah. and then I would, you know, sit again the next day. But when I was able to release judgment. And just kind of laugh about it. <laughs> yeah, I think the the practice of releasing judgment perhaps is even as beneficial as the relaxing of the mind because to be able to be in a place of peace with, oh, I'm thinking of this and I'm really judging myself because I'm I think I should be thinking of this instead or doing this instead. Mm-hmm. That journey of being at peace with yourself for doing something that you think is, quote unquote, not right, that journey with judgment is so important because this is about the journey of, you know, really, truly being compassionate to our humanness and our humanness is by its very nature into the mental realm and the thinking and the judging and the attaching. So there's there's kind of like multi levels of learning and benefit from from these practices the judgment thing i think is absolutely huge it is and it's kind of a universal and and um especially with populations who are dealing with addiction um in my experience has been wow the judgment is harsh the self judgment and mm-hmm. for them to get into a space of not judging themselves, not feeling ashamed um, and being able to release that was one of the biggest things actually that they got out of those little meditation sessions Mm -hmm. was when they realized, oh, I don't have to beat myself up. Mm -hmm. 
this is a place it's it's for me it's it's something i can i can be at ease in this place mm-hmm. in the state of grace as i would call it and how yeah. liberating that was for them yeah and that i believe is really universal for all for most people you know that the mm-hmm. judgment in my experience can be very sneaky incredibly subtle like we may not think we're in judgment but the energy is there underneath nevertheless and it starts with you know there's there's a tremendous amount of self-judgment and self-criticism perhaps that's like a narrative that has been ingrained in terms of the you know what our the messages we've received over the course of our lives of what we should do and shouldn't do um but it also of course reflects into judgment outer judgment judgment about others judgment so it it's a universal i i notice it for myself um how these subtle judgments come in so quickly either about myself or about others and how to come to a place of kind of taking a breath and seeing the judgment that is is present and then finding a way to release that or neutralize Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. and come back to a place of being with so it's a it's a very interesting journey um with judgment I think maybe that's one of the most helpful messages that has come from my meditation practice Mm -hmm. um helping me to see my own judgment more clearly it's interesting too that you know one of the facets and there are so many facets in the jewel that is meditation practice is how from meditation comes eventually compassion that arises and the buddhists talk about this about the the spontaneous arising of compassion Mm -hmm. for oneself and for others. And one of the things that I found so interesting in speaking with people dealing with addiction issues is for them, it was so much easier to be compassionate towards other people, but much harder to be compassionate with themselves. I found that really interesting. Mm-hmm. And so this was kind of one of the, the ways into that. Plus, you know, self-care and all of the other things that they were doing. But um, the spontaneous arising of compassion is a, is a, you know, sounds like a rather miraculous event, but it does, it does happen in full yeah. presence. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, one of the, um, you know, compassion is another word that maybe took me, took me a time to understand. And for me, an easier word is kindness Mm -hmm. so in the meditations that I guide I I I sort of lead with words like bringing it an attitude of kindness or a softening into kindness um but you're right that it's a spontaneous arising because when the when there is a dissolution or a um being able to see the judgment from a different perspective mm-hmm. even the judgments that we hold for ourselves it naturally 
kind of dissolves that energy and what emerges from behind it is this energy of acceptance of what is and that for me is filled with um that deeper sense of kindness and compassion which comes and it it's um i can't say that i'm a, an expert on this by any means but to feel that to feel that softening mm-hmm. perhaps a more um easier thing to hold on to is or to grasp is like when there's a softening of judgment what that feels like mm. I think that and that on an individual level is how the world changes for the better when people are no longer sitting in judgment of others or themselves because it gives them a a ground upon which to connect because that other is not other anymore. Absolutely. It helps us to uh, really appreciate that our experiences that we have most undoubtedly we all experience it and we begin to really truly be be able to see ourselves in each other Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. wow that's that's profound stuff it's like the golden it gets back to the golden rule do unto others as you would do unto others as you would have done to you yeah and every faith references that yeah you know yeah. And uh and that's a really beautiful thing. I th- yeah. uh, maybe we could change change the world <laughs> with that. Just, you know, I mean I really do believe it starts it starts with each individual person and how they how they see others and how they connect with others. Yeah. And the the quality of that of that connection and that interaction that there really does change things. That that changes mm-hmm. hearts and minds mm-hmm. right there when you start focusing on commonalities, not differences. And, you know, it's a ground upon which to, to build, you know, uh, and, and building loving relationships and connections, or even if not loving connections, they're at least perhaps connections of understanding or, or a greater appreciation for perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. What a beautiful conversation. (laughs) Wow. That's good. I'm glad you're, I'm glad you wanted to record this part. Yeah. We'll do something with it. Yeah. Shall For I stop sure. recording? Yeah. I think it's great. Oh, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Always such a wonderful treat to share talk on meditation, mindfulness, anything in the wellness realm with my friend, Jess. I wanted to leave you today with an exercise that you can do to jump into a little sitting meditation practice, a little sitting practice. So rather than focusing on the awareness of thoughts moving as clouds across a blue sky, I thought that we would make it even simpler, which is to use the breath as the thread that carries you through your 10-minute session. So if at any time you feel distracted by sounds or thoughts or anything, remember to focus on the breath. So the breath is your touchstone. So when you're sitting, 
You can sit on a cushion on the floor, of course. You're welcome to do that. Some people prefer to sit in a chair, and that is totally fine to do. I would advise against laying down because what tends to happen when you get very still and you're lying down, you fall asleep. <laughs> and then you miss your 10 minutes of meditation. And then you have to start all over again. So um, I do advise sitting for this. Posture is important, as is the quality of breath. So when you sit, whether on the floor or in a chair, have your shoulders resting directly over the hips so your body is fully supported. The chin is slightly tucked. The eyes are closed or half closed. The breathing is done through the nose, in and out. And we remember to focus on the belly as the target for the breath. And part of the reason for this is it keeps your shoulders down. There's a tendency to hold tension in the shoulders. And so breathing into the belly, as we say, which is your belly will rise and fall with each breath as your diaphragm rises and falls inside you. So focusing on the belly as the destination for the breath. Hands can be resting in your lap. Um, you might cradle one hand into the other and imagine you're like, like you're holding an egg in your palm. Uh, you can have your hands resting on your knees with the palms down. You can rest your hands, your open hands with the palms up resting on your knees. That, um, that's another posture. Um, any, any way that is restful for you to hold your hands is, is the best for you. So 10 minutes of breathing and anytime you feel distracted and you will be distracted, it, it happens. So whether there's a sound in the room or you have a thought, remember to use the breath as your guide as your touchstone to bring you back into the present moment, focusing on the breath. So 10 minutes. And then I would, I would, I would suggest as an exploration, 10 minutes a day for a week. And then each day after your sitting practice, maybe write down your observations of what you experienced during that 10 minutes of sitting practice and just see how it goes because there's no right or wrong way. There's no experience in air quotes here that you're supposed to have. It's your practice and you can make of it what you will. Sometimes, it, you know, it may not seem like it's a lot, 10 minutes a day of sitting meditation, focusing on the breath, but it can be profound because it's time for you. It's a time of rest and restoration and nurturance and full presence with yourself. So I hope you enjoy it. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be uh, a joyful discovery.
So I will leave you with that. And next time we'll have another topic on all things wellness with me and Jess. Meanwhile, take good care of yourselves. Take good care of each other. And as always, I will see you on the other side. I really appreciate your listening. I really appreciate your interest. And I hope all of these episodes are helpful. See you next time.